this, the next in the series on relationship, I want us to see if we can cover um, things pertaining to rejection, acceptance, commitment, really seeing how it works out. But before we can do that, I think we need to come back to the basis. We're born again of the Spirit of God. We're made anew. We're different creations. See, in this world, people um, might become friends. The relationship can deepen. They may even come to a place of, of love. It's completely different because when we're born again of the Spirit of God, we're new creations. We have a natural Holy Spirit anointed ability to love. We can love first and get acquainted afterwards. We don't have to get into that system which is natural. I think we should just have a little look at the scriptures on this so that we really understand that this is not something that we're being asked to somehow uh, arrive at or achieve, but it's part of what we've been given the ability to demonstrate what God is like as we love one another. Because remember, one of the prime ways in which we show what God is like, all men will know that you're my disciples when you love one another. So loving one another is not just a nice thing. It's not just a convenient thing. It's part of the purpose of showing what God is like in the world. So we are related one to another when we're born again, whether we like it or not. Uh, in 1 John Chapter 4, verses 7 to 21, we can see these very clear indications. First of all, we have the same father. Well, if you have the same father, you, you're related. Acceptance, then, is not by some kind of achievement or qualification. It's because we are related. And this love is not some kind of impulse or emotional response but it's a response to what the Father has placed in us of his love. So loving someone isn't dependent upon their, their perceived worth or value or the things that they've done or not done or feelings we have. It's actually an act of the will to choose to obey what God has given us, to obey the power that he's placed within us. In fact, it goes even further. It says we are made like him in character. We are made like him in love. That's a powerful thing that the love of God dwells in us so that it transforms our ability to love. In fact, it goes further in saying that if I love God and God loves me and you love God and God loves you, his love is made complete. In other words, it fulfills its actual eternal purpose as we love one another. And then, of course, let's get down to the hard reality. To love one another is not an option. It's a command. If we're going to obey God, we have to actually love one another. Bible also says that we should esteem others 
better than ourselves. That's completely contrary to the way of this world. But again, with every instruction that the Bible gives, it comes with the ability, as we submit to that, to make it happen. It's not about looking after our own interests, but looking after the interests of others. So much of what the Bible says about loving is not about how we are loved by others or how we are served by others or how others treat us, but it's about how we are towards them. We can see people differently. We can see them historically, naturally. We can perceive in different ways. Historically, it's trapped into the past. You know how parents or grandparents uh, can always seem to uh, treat you like a child. Uh, I, I remember my, some many years ago, my grandmother chuckling with amazement. She was quite elderly then. When I'd started to travel into different nations, and she said, I can't, I can't see it. I can't believe it. You were such a nervous child. I had to pick you up and carry you across the road because you were so frightened of the traffic. Now you're going into all these different places. It was difficult for her to get her head around it. Because this, uh, this was faced in the Bible. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And then also we see how the brothers of David uh, treated him, the brothers of Joseph, how they treated him. Then you can see naturally. Uh, Bible talks about that. Is this somebody wealthy and impressive that I should get alongside? Or is it not somebody? We talk this. When you see somebody, what number are you placing on their head? Is it a number one, not worth bothering with? Or a number five? Mm, worth paying attention to, worth getting alongside. I remember uh, being invited to join uh, one of the um, apostolic networks and uh, this pastor that was saying, come and join us, uh, we, can, we can make use of somebody like you. Hmm. I thought, something doesn't ring quite right. I could be a useful cog in their wheel, rather than that there was a, a desire for meaningful relationship. And then how we perceive things. Are we accepting? Are we loving? Are we forgiving? Acceptance is is really important. We can minister the love and life of God uh, as we genuinely accept people based on the fact, as the Bible says, if he's accepted them, how are we not to? Now, it's also very true in the world in which we live and the life that so many people have had to lead, and most of us, will suffer the opposite of that at some stage, rejection. Truth of the matter is, we can't control what happens to us, but we can actually decide what we do with it. See, rejection is something that others might do, 
and it can go deep. And actually, one of the first products of rejection is the tendency to reject others. They're actually the difficulty in, in actually accepting people. But there's a way to deal with it. You see, rejection is wrong, but actually to receive rejection is sin because Christ made provision to take our rejection upon himself. So if we're aware or we become aware that we're restricted in our relationships and ability to actually demonstrate God's heart in connecting and coming close and really into a loving connected relationship and we become aware that it's an issue of rejection there's a there's a solution because as we recognize its sin we know that we have dominion over sin we know that we can be forgiven we know we can be set free so if we've received that the first step to resolving it is really looking for god to forgive us for receiving it and then heal and deliver us which he will do with his love and then we're in a new place of being able to accept one another which is a very precious and powerful thing and very necessary as we go and seek to go god's let me return again to the little saying that we use close enough to know love enough to care and willing to pay the price You see, we're talking about a covenant relationship, a relationship that comes out of what God has done, what God has made us to be. We're not talking about establishing some additional covenant, some special contract or agreement. No, we're talking about agreeing to be part of that outworking of the covenant relationship that God has afforded and made available to us. It can't be tied up into some legalistic thing uh, where there's a kind of, I'm in a covenant relationship and it becomes almost a binding thing. That's not, that's not right. That's not kingdom. Kingdom starts with love and continues with love. So it has to be something from the heart. It can't be something that's imposed by rules and regulations. What should it look like? Well, I guess one of the key things um, in any meaningful relationship is the measure of commitment. Now, I'm sure many of us have stories of commitment, but for me, there's one or two things that really always come back to my mind. That was the first time I went to Guyana and we were traveling into the jungle. It was late at night, pitch black, and there was this taxi who said he could get us there. And of course he couldn't and it got stuck. And there we are, never been in the jungle before, standing in the pitch black in this, with all these strange noises around while we hoped and waited for some rescue to come. At that point, I realized I was committed. I could have cried for me, mum, but that wouldn't have done me any good. I had made that commitment. I had decided that this is the thing that God had given us to do. That's commitment. I also read a story once of some, a girl that 
couple of people tried to mug and they wanted to take everything she had, including her engagement ring. But that was very precious to her. So she took it off and swallowed it. That's commitment, commitment to a ring. My story was a commitment to the journey and where we were going. God wants people that are committed in the relationship, that will be there through thick and thin, will demonstrate what his heart is really like. See, commitment is important. If you're going to build a relationship, there needs to be commitment. In fact, if you look at the different stories the Bible gives, commitment was important for building. The Bible talks about living stones. Well, if you think about stones or bricks, they've got a very, in order to be a wall, they have a very real committed joining. They're supported by the one below, they bearing the weight of the one on top, and they're very fixed side by side, otherwise it's no longer a wall. Commitment's important for growing. The, build, the, the body is built up. In Ephesians 4.16, the whole body is every joint does its work. You see, it's a good picture, because if I have a problem, let's say I've done something with my wrist, that affects the whole body. It affects my hand, it affects everything I can do. It's a very, it's a life joint in the body. Likewise, commitment's important for the body to function. Commitment which is based in love. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body and different parts. And obviously, if people are to lead, they need to know who they are leading. So there's a measure of commitment necessary there. But it's not a harsh external thing. It's a loving thing. It's a thing where there's real interest. You know, I was taking, I was visiting a friend and he decided to drive, it was a couple of hours, to visit another friend that we hadn't seen for many years. And we got there, we spent a couple of hours. And in those two hours, he talked so much about himself. In fact, he only asked one question about me or my family or how I was doing. And actually, then he didn't listen to the answer. I came away thinking, hmm, that's, that's not the kind of biblical friendship. That's not the thing that glorifies Jesus. Our interest, our care, our willingness even to, if we feel a bit let down, I've lent somebody something. They didn't bring it back. Do I warn others about it? Do I pray, oh Lord, please convict and bring it back? No, I think if it's a genuine relationship, a real commitment, we say, I'd like that back. We're honest. We speak the truth in love as a very important part the type of love relationship is expressed through a real meaningful commitment. But of course, one of the primary ways of that, it's not just in word, it's in action. And the example that Jesus gave us of love in action was serving when he wanted to show in John 13, those that were closest to him, the full extent 
of his love. He took that role of the servant, of the lowest servant, and washed the disciples' feet. Amazing act. And then, as you know, at the end, he said, you know, this is what I've done. This is what you should do. You should serve. Serve where the need is. It's a major expression of love. Through love, through love, serve one another. You know, serving is, is where the need is. I remember going once to, as a request, a call for prayer, went to pray for someone. As I went to knock on the door, I saw this broken glass on the, on the doorstep, so I cleared that away. And then the door was opened. Before I could get to pray, what was needed was that I should hold a bowl while somebody was sick. Well, it would be ridiculous to be praying fervently while someone was sick all over you. So therefore, let's serve where the need is. See, we're talking about things that glorify God. It can't be just a, I'll help out where I can. Commitment in serving has to be giving ourselves. See the task through. See the thing fulfilled. It's a precious thing to be able to serve, be served through love. That's what God intends for us. 